0: Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. This is an RNZ podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Dan Slevin, sitting in for Simon Morris. This week on At the Movies phase three of the marvel cinematic universe comes to an explosive conclusion
0: whatever it takes
2: whatever it takes whatever it takes
1: i miss that giddy optimism a battle over medical marijuana rages in california between law enforcement and the sisterhood
0: After all of the men in my life betrayed me, beat me, left me penniless and homeless, my goal was to form a sisterhood
2: of healers to heal the valley.
1: And a creative young woman buys a unicorn in Brie Larson's directorial debut.
2: I don't know how to be a grown-up. My parents think that I'm insane, and I have no idea what Gary is thinking, except he wants to help me remove all my layers.
0: Hmm, hello. Now you're living life.
1: This week, cinema owners have never had it so good, with Avengers Endgame breaking box office records all over the world on its opening weekend. The film almost doubled the haul of its predecessor, Infinity War, over the same period, banking well over a billion US dollars worldwide between Thursday and Sunday. This is obviously good news in the short term, although stressed and worn out cinema attendants might think differently. And the film's success has proved to be a bit of a challenge for me, as I tried in vain to find a session with some spare seats so I could watch it a second time on your behalf. But there's something else going on here that we should be really worried about. Avengers is a Marvel franchise, and Marvel has been owned by Disney since 2009. Disney has owned Pixar since 2006, and later this year there's going to be a Toy Story 4 Disney also owns its own history, of course, and is mining that relentlessly. Coming up this year, we have the pseudo-live-action Aladdin, an animated Frozen 2, and a photorealistic Lion King.
0: Everything the light touches
2: is our kingdom.
1: And let's not forget that in 2012, Disney bought Lucasfilm, which opened up the possibility of all these new Star Wars movies. Star Wars 9, now known as The Rise of Skywalker, is due out just in time for Christmas. And the icing on the cake of all that is the purchase of 20th Century Fox earlier this year, which means Disney is going to own four more Avatar films. Another awkward wrinkle in the fact that Disney owns all this property is that this week Fox announced that Steven Spielberg's imminent remake of Leonard Bernstein's West Side Story, set in the late 1950s, don't forget, won't feature any characters smoking because that doesn't fit the Disney brand. If even innocent content like a Broadway musical can't live its own best life... What about genuinely adult dramas or action epics like Die Hard? What about the grown-ups?
0: motherfucker.
1: Earlier this week, American critic Matt Zoller-Seitz described the situation for cinema owners as Disney life support. And I'm concerned about the future for the business in New Zealand. As long as there are plenty of blockbusters like Endgame coming down the pipe, opening weekends should still be busy and the popcorn machines will be running 24-7. But what about the between times? And also, what about the discerning audience? Are we going to be watching those modest, intelligent, possibly European films about real people emoting at each other at home with a bottle of red we've bought from the supermarket and other really challenging art house obscurities, the difficult, the challenging? possibly painful? Are they going to be restricted to film festivals so they don't contaminate the mainstream and allow film buffs to get all their year's big screen viewing in one period of annual leave? Every year around this time I get to sit in for Simon and I think things are changing. When I was a newspaper film reviewer back in 2007, 2013, there would be an average of six or seven features released every week to choose from. Now the average is more like four, or, if you're looking at this week, only two. Films used to last six to eight weeks in cinemas, and now it is more like four to six. Bear with me, but here's my radical idea. A year-long film festival that takes up only one cinema in every centre, but where the films in the festival play a couple of times a day for a week or two, which allows a little bit of word of mouth and also session time choices for time-starved people. I'm being sarcastic here, obviously, because we used to have lots of these, but I feel like the time is now for good film fans to take a stand and insist. If we don't... We may never leave the house again. All of which just brings us to the end game. The biggest film in the world right now, on the way to becoming the biggest film in history, a genuine cultural phenomenon. I wrote an initial review of it for the RNZ website last week. You can find it by searching Avengers. That first reaction was positive. I genuinely enjoyed it much more than I expected and found it to be much more fleet-footed than the heavy-handed predecessor Infinity War. But an extra week has given me plenty of time to think about its flaws and to reconcile myself to the idea that while Endgame has plenty of enjoyable moments, it maybe can't stand up to the tire-kicking that a really close reading would give it. A quick reminder, if you aren't one of the many millions who have already seen the film, of the premise. Thanos, the psychopathic eco-warrior determined to bring balance to the universe by removing half of its life forms and... Let's be honest, the mathematics of that aren't really worth investigating. He's carried out his plan, thanks to his possession of the six powerful Infinity Stones, and headed off to peaceful retirement, tending his garden and making soup. In outer space, Robert Downey Jr.'s Tony Stark is floating around in a spaceship that's about to run out of food and air. Back on Earth, what remains of our superhero community are in shock but planning to strike back. They know that the key to repairing the damage and somehow bringing all the dead back to life is to get hold of the stones, including the extremely useful in these sort of situations, Time Stone, and use them. But Thanos is still in possession.
2: He used the stones again.
1: Hey, hey.
0: We'd be going in shorthanded, you know. Look, he's still got the stones, so...
2: So let's get him. Use them to bring everyone back.
0: Just like that. Yeah, just like that.
2: Even if there's a a small chance that we can undo this, I mean, we owe it to everyone who's not in this room to try.
0: If we do this, how do we know it's gonna end any differently than it did before?
2: Because before you didn't have me.
0: Hey, new girl, everybody in this room is about that superhero life. And if you don't mind my asking, where the hell have you been all this time?
2: There are a lot of other planets in the universe. And unfortunately, they didn't have you guys. I like this one.
1: This is essentially the plan that most fans thought would be required, a version of Superman spinning the earth backwards to save Lois Lane. But the film does a smart thing and has it fail in the first half an hour. This allows screenwriters Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely to go in more interesting directions for both plot and character, relatively unencumbered by audience expectation. Co-directors Anthony and Joe Russo also move things along at a decent clip, which means there are plenty of entertaining moments in the over three hours of running time. It doesn't feel too long while you're in it, and part of the reason for that is the balance between emotional material, dumb gags, and there are relatively few giant digital battles. I've always tended to tune out a bit during those. Endgame attempts to cash in all the chips the Avengers series has been accumulating over the 22 films since the first Iron Man, and mostly succeeds. Some characters, and I'm sorry to say the victims of this are mostly the women, don't get a fair shake, and if history has anything critical to say about these blockbusters, it'll be that Marvel got way too much credit for way too few attempts at decent representation. But the main male characters downey jr as stark chris hemsworth as thor chris evans as captain america and mark ruffalo as hulk all get a chance to show off their considerable chops and deliver satisfying conclusions to their arcs interestingly the word arc used to be reserved for film nerds and screenwriters but now thanks to content like avengers and game of thrones everyone can bandy it around with abandon stay on
0: When I drift off, I will dream about you. It's always you.
1: The overarching theme of these Marvel pictures, and I included Guardians of the Galaxy pair in this assessment too, is loss. Loss in the sense of bereavement and grief, obviously, but also loss in the sense of defeat, You always get the feeling that these characters, with their enhanced abilities and colossal potential, are always falling short of their own expectations and having to reckon with that disappointment. It's this tragic element that gives the characters and stories their depth, and Endgame is a fitting resolution to that theme. Fifteen years ago, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings Return of the King won 11 Oscars, partly as a tribute to the grand storytelling achievement. And I found myself wondering during Endgame whether the Academy would take a similar opportunity here. It has that similar epic feel, especially when you get near the end and you realise that everyone has to have their own little valedictory moment and you find yourself getting a little dust in your eye.
0: before we're done we still have one promise to keep if you can't protect the earth you can be damn sure we'll avenge it
1: avengers endgame is rated m for violence and it's playing on almost every screen in the country some of them in 3d now
0: After all of the men in my life betrayed me, beat me, left me penniless and homeless, my goal was to form a sisterhood of healers to heal the valley. Before long, I was surrounded by these incredible like-minded women who believed in the healing powers of cannabis.
1: Last week, when I trailered Breaking Habits, I described it as a documentary about nuns selling marijuana, or Mary Jane, depending on your generation, for medicinal purposes in California. I was wrong, and I'm sorry, The women in this film are not nuns, they only dress as nuns for corporate branding purposes. The leader of the pack, Christine Mewson, is a former corporate warrior and survivor of an abusive and lie-filled marriage. Penniless and with three children, after escaping her polygamous husband, she joins the fledgling Occupy movement and has an anarchist epiphany. She will channel her feminist anger, her contempt for patriarchal concepts like law, her concern for cancer patients with impossible pain, and her neoliberal entrepreneurial spirit into a business that will keep her family in chocolate milk, her customers in PCB-based pain relief, and her acolytes engaged with a movement that some might say is over-idealized. The G-men of the Trump government, though, have another idea and they're determined to enforce the law regardless of the headgear of the perpetrator.
0: The number one cash crop in California has been marijuana, as it has made certain growers wealthy beyond their wildest imaginations.
1: People say it's just marijuana, but the federal government still treats marijuana as an illegal drug.
2: I will take their product, and I will take it to the dump, and I will cite them into court.
1: This film made me angry like few films have in recent years. Ostensibly balanced, it comes across more as an advertisement for this driven woman's business rather than an investigation into the rights and wrongs of medical marijuana. The Sisters of the Valley are not a spiritual congregation and their appropriation of the uniform is an insult to all people of faith. She sounds like a libertarian rather than a humanitarian. The statistics show that when marijuana was illegal, by far the greatest number of convictions for use and for dealing were to African Americans. Now there is a loophole that allows dealing for medical use. The money makers are mostly white and increasingly corporate. That situation is fundamentally immoral. And this film, Breaking Habits, if you take it at face value, reinforces that immorality. The characters are vivid and articulate, and the feminist subtext is important and valuable, but it ignores a more important truth. Capitalism is capturing a business that used to be a source of income for minorities. The economic benefits of liberalisation or decriminalisation are not being shared fairly.
0: I turned to my children and said, we need to join the Occupy movement. And all the kids, said, we'll go to Occupy with you Saturday if you go as a nun. So it sort of started on a dare. People who say marching doesn't do any good, they need to really read their history. Susan B. Anthony, the women's rights, black rights, Rosa Parks, nothing ever happened until people got angry and got out and started fighting back. And that's what I see what's happening. We're defending ourselves. So I went around for a while as Sister Occupy. And because I had been so deeply betrayed by the man of 17 years and my family, the betrayal was so huge that it essentially gave me the courage to do something I really wanted to do, which was do something completely radical and nuts, like form a real sisterhood.
1: Breaking Habits is rated M, as you might expect, for drug use, and also some offensive language, and is playing in the more boutique cinema operations in most cities now.
2: I'm not doing anything. I specifically came here to work on our loving family energies.
1: do Do you think this is some kind of joke?
2: No, I don't. I know that you think that I'm joking, but... I really am getting a unicorn, and I'm going to love it, and it's going to be my best friend in the whole world. Do you want my best friend? I will be your best friend. I don't want you to be my best friend. This whole thing just sounds a lot weirder than it actually is. Do you want me to be your best friend? No. It... Okay. This is, this is insane. Honey. This is why no. I never talk to you about anything. There's no need to yell. Okay. Yelling is is not, not an effective no. way to communicate.
1: Around the same time Brie Larson was becoming Captain Marvel, she was already working alongside the actor who played S.H.I.E.L.D.'s Nick Fury, Samuel L. Jackson, in a charming little indie comedy called Unicorn Store, a film that was also her directorial debut. Launched at Toronto in 2017, it was bought by Netflix, and it has taken them over a year before posting it to their streaming service. Were they waiting for Captain Marvel to come out so they could take advantage of all the publicity? By golly, you may be right. That doesn't really matter, though, because it's here now, and it's a really good example of a low-budget, independent film that's going to struggle for screen space out there in the cinema world, but might have a long, loving life for audiences online who stumble across it because of the algorithm. Larson herself is Kit, just thrown out of art school for over-enthusiastic glitter application and she's back home with her earnest parents bradley whitford and joan cusack
0: home again sure honey honey you remember and kevin kevin from down the street not of place dad he's back in town sweetie he's got an apartment right by the mall and he has a beautiful head
2: of hair he's a good-looking kid <laughs> That's him, isn't it? <laughs> yes. It is, the bet. It is. Kevin, Oh, my <laughs> God! <laughs> For dinner! <laughs> oh,
1: what a surprise! Wow, Kit, you look just the same. Going temping to make a crust, she receives an invitation to an exclusive store opening. And when she gets there, it's Mr. Jackson offering her the chance of a lifetime. She can buy a real-life unicorn, just like she imagined she would have when she was a child. But she has to pass some tests first, financial, housing, and a stable um, and loving environment.
2: I don't know how to be a grown-up. My parents think that I'm insane, and I have no idea what Gary is thinking, except he wants to help me remove all my layers.
0: Hmm, hello. Hello. Now you're living life.
2: What's the next requirement?
0: I don't know if you're ready for that one yet.
2: Of course I'm ready. I'm building a home worthy of a unicorn. I've got plenty of hay. What's left? What, I gotta hang a magic rainbow in my kitchen or some shit? Surround the unicorn with love. Hatred in your heart is like a dagger to hers.
0: And what do you think about that?
2: Surround it with love. I can do that. That's like hugging, right? I can totally hug a unicorn.
1: Maybe you just need to figure this one out for yourself. As you might expect, her parents think she's balmy. But they all persevere together, like loving families in quirky independent film comedies so often do. On her way, Larson, the director, skewers the soft target of corporate culture effectively enough, but her casting and her direction are spot-on and nicely detailed. This is one of those films that reviewers describe as charming or eccentric, but that actually prioritises and dramatises female experience in ways that we don't see often enough. Larson, an Oscar winner for Room in 2016, is a terrifically watchable actress and movie star, and her intelligence as a director is evident in her choices here. The material is slight, uh, but that's true of so many first movies. In researching this review I discovered she was the youngest student to attend the American Conservatory Theater in San Francisco. She was only 6. I was going to say that she'll go far, but I think she'll be totally fine without my patronizing opinions. Beautiful. Huh? Sound of a copy machine.
2: Oh yeah, it's like a seashore in here.
1: <laughs> You're funny. Like that Seinfeld. When did I hire you?
2: You didn't. I'm just a temp. I have a kind of personal question for you.
1: I'd love to answer it.
2: Okay. Did you always know that this is what you wanted to do? Or did you want to do another thing first?
1: Like what? Like, did I dream of figure skating but my parents wouldn't pay for the lessons? Sure. Why not wish we could fly? We can't. So we focus on what we can do. Unicorn Store is streaming on Netflix, and according to their rating system, uh, it is suitable for 7 Plus and uh, parental guidance. And that's almost our program. Also worth your time and attention this week, if you live in Auckland, is this year's Resine Architecture and Design Film Festival, one of those specialised events that uncovers some real gems. It's at the Rialto until the 19th of May and then moves on to Wellington, Dunedin, New Plymouth, Havelock North and Christchurch. I usually like to end the show with a sample from the soundtrack of one of the films we featured, but this week I want to honour a special anniversary. 35 years ago this week, a film called This Is Spinal Tap premiered to less-than-rapturous audiences. In fact, it was considered a failure until years later when college students discovered it and started learning it off by heart. The stars and director of the film gathered this week at the Tribeca Film Festival to celebrate the anniversary. I'm Dan Slevin, and you can find me on Twitter as atdancelevin, all one word, and there's more of me at rnz.co.nz forward slash widescreen. This is my last go for a while, so please rejoin Simon Morris for more At The Movies at the same time next week. It's pretty. Yeah, I like it. just been fooling about with it for a few months now. Very delicate. It's a, it's a bit of a departure from the kind of thing you normally play. Yeah, well, it's part of a, uh, a trilogy, really, a musical trilogy that I'm doing in D minor, which I always find is really the saddest of all keys really i don't know why but it makes people weep instantly to play it yeah. it's a horn part it's very pretty Yeah, you know, just simple lines intertwining you know very much like i'm really influenced by mozart and bach and it's sort of in between though it's really it's like a mach piece really it's, what do you call this well this piece is called uh, lick my love pump